0: We're finishing this evening the section in 1 Thessalonians about the second coming and Paul's concern is that we're not interested in fixing the time of Jesus' return, but that we live in a prepared way. That's the best way of getting ready for the second coming. But to close this section, uh, he is giving us an even stronger assurance than us being ready for the second coming because our lives are uh, godly. Uh, he takes us out of ourselves and he is causing us to look at these pillars of his uh, character and of his uh, sovereign work towards us. So that—that's what we were looking at last Sunday evening. We looked at two pillars. There's two more pillars. As I was driving here, I came up uh, Park Place, and I hadn't realised how much the university has changed. I hadn't seen the brand new student union building before, and the pillars there—they uh, looked quite something. Well, here are four pillars that we are to look at, hold on to, in order to not uh, dread the second coming of Jesus Christ as his children. Let's read again verses 9 and 10. And then, God willing, I'm only preaching one more time Sunday evening, before I'm off for sabbatical. I'll be away from July... Uh, till the end of september so god willing we will deal with the final section in one thessalonians which describes a healthy church in october so i think that'll be a good time uh, to look at those verses so one thessalonians 5 verses 9 and 10 for god has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him the first pillar we looked at it last time we have been saved from the wrath of God that's what will happen on the second coming it will be the day of judgment we are delivered from the wrath to come we are saved from wrath through Jesus's death very important the phrase Jesus died for us. Hooper in the Greek, for. It's only a proposition, but it's an important proposition. That's how we can uh, stand firm on that great day. And we looked at that pillar of the penal substitutionary atoning death of Jesus Christ. He died in my place. And God the just is satisfied to look on him. And pardon me. So you're denying the power of the cross if you are dreading the return of Jesus Christ. Because all the wrath that you deserve has been taken already by him. Two more pillars we'll look at this evening. The third pillar is that we are saved too. What are we saved to? Well, in my notes eternal life with jesus christ but in the verse for god verse 9 did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep so whether we are alive when he comes or whether we have died already we should live together with him so salvation isn't just about being delivered from Judgment. It is that. Salvation isn't just uh, being uh, declared uh, not guilty and having Jesus' righteousness imputed to us so that we have a new standing before God. It is that. And those two pillars are <coughs> wonderful. But there is something positive about salvation as well. Not only are we saved from something negative, but we are saved to something. And something very positive. Now look at the paradoxes here. It's quite interesting. Jesus died. That we might die. That we might live. Jesus died. That we might live. Our life. Our eternal life. Is due entirely. To Jesus' death. And remember Jesus' death. Was suffering hell. For us so our heaven is because of jesus is suffering hell the life jesus has won for us is not an isolated life it's life we should live together with him that's what we're going to concentrate on living together with him and then another paradox jesus died our death that we might live not our own life The life of Jesus Christ. Do you get that? Jesus died our death. That the life we are now living as Christians is not our own life. It is the life of Christ in me. Now, there's another theological term for this. It's called union. I'm not thinking now of the Bible College in Bridgend, although I think it does name itself after this doctrine. It's our union with Christ now the bible doesn't use that word but we need to understand what it's all about let me give you some other verses Thessalonians was the first letter probably that Paul wrote so you've got an embryo here things that he's going to develop at great length later so another fairly early letter is Galatians the hymn we just sang yet not I do you know where it comes from Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 these are some of my favorite verses. Listen to this. This is union with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I've died. Yet it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. Can you understand that? I can't. And the life which I now live in the flesh, here on earth, in my body, I live, not in my own strength, but by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I can imagine Paul, the greatest mind in the New Testament, he just can't get his intellect around what Jesus Christ has done. I can imagine him scratching his head, trying to understand it, and he can't. He's just got to say, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me Uh, was it uh, Haslam who entitled his autobiography yet not I whatever you're going to read about me whatever things that have happened in my life whatever blessings I have experienced yet not I it is Jesus Christ using me as you look back at your Christian life are you looking back patting yourself on the back Or are you saying, yet not I? It's all because of Jesus Christ in me. It's not just Jesus dying for me and saving me. Since then, the only explanation to me still being a Christian is yet not I, but Christ in me. Once we lose that, we are heading for a fall. And maybe the section on this is Romans 6. I took it as a leading uh, that in the after meeting last Sunday Caris was talking about Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones's book on Romans 6. So I meant to be referring to Romans 6 this evening. And if you haven't read that book it's called The New Life, you need to read it. Uh because what Paul is dealing with in Romans 6 is our union with Christ. Yet not I, but Christ in me at greater length. What does it mean that I have been saved to life with Christ, living together with Christ? Uh, Well, let me just read, and I'll open these things up, and you will see, I hope, it won't be too complicated. Listen to verse 8 of Romans 6. Now, if we have died with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the dead that have died, uh, they uh, die no more. For the death that he died, he died for sin once for all. But that the life, He lives. He lives to God. Likewise, ye also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he talking about? Well, it's a bit like this. When you hear about this union with Christ, yet not I, but Christ in me, you will say, I can do what I want. It it doesn't matter. My life as a Christian is anything goes but paul says you see paul had that reaction when he wrote about the gospel of grace in romans and he says certainly not shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? may it never be god forbid in the authorized version why because i'm joined to jesus christ union with christ So there are Christians today who say, because I've been delivered from wrath to come, because Jesus died for me, and I am justified, just as if I've never sinned, it doesn't matter what I do now, I can just live as I want, it's all covered by the blood. Now, if that's your attitude you haven't understood what it is to be a christian not only have we been saved from something but we are saved to a new life with jesus christ and this is the life of jesus in me and it's a life of living together with christ do you still understand let me give you an illustration living together with christ we are walking with christ So think of Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. He comes all the way to go after the one lost sheep and he saves you. How does the hymn put it? Through his living arms around me. Now, what does he do after he saved us? Does he say to us, well, then I've done everything now for you. You go off now and live the Christian life. Is that the Christian life? not according to the verses that we've looked at tonight. The shepherd doesn't leave us to our own devices. What Jesus Christ then does is walk with us. And the rest of our Christian life is a pilgrimage. I don't know, uh, my Christian life sounds a bit like this walk that's being arranged for the bank holiday. I don't know if it's a ramble or an amble or a shamble. (laughs) Maybe we feel that our Christian life has been a bit of a shambles. But this is the point. We're walking with him. We're joined to him. Union, it's used of marriage. Uh, Matthew um, uh, uh, and Anya will be joined in marital union. We are married to Jesus Christ. That's another metaphor. But the one I'm thinking of tonight is this companionship in terms of walking right we're walking with him can two walk together said amos unless they be agreed it doesn't make sense does it if we're walking with christ and we are pulling in the opposite direction that doesn't make sense he hasn't saved us from hell and sin in order for us to continue in sin and actually we're joined to him so if you think of two walkers not walking along heath park but walking in um the alps climbing in the alps they'll be roped together and that's what union with christ means it means i'm roped to jesus christ and i'm told that a rock climbers rope is so strong it's so thin but it's so strong that it can hold up to 12 double-decker bus- buses now this uh tie Uh, with Christ is even stronger than that it's eternal nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ but we're tied to Jesus Christ so that means we can't go too far astray we can't he loves you too much that's where chastening comes in and this is the wonderful truth when Jesus died we died with him so don't talk about your old man don't talk about having to put to death your old man your old man has been crucified he's dead and gone but what we have now is the new nature and the old nature is still there so there's a conflict going on between the new man in jesus christ and the old nature the old nature wants to take us away from christ It's like walking a dog. Have you ever walked a big dog? I used to live down in um, King Craig streets. And one of the tasks we were given, we had to walk the landlord's dog occasionally. It was a huge dog. And the dog would be pulling at the lead. And we're in a battle, aren't we? This old nature wants to go the other way. But we've died with Christ. And we have the life of Christ in us. So that when Christ rose from the dead, we also rose in newness of life. So it's like the two climbers, isn't it? It's not the best of illustrations, but think of Delis Price. She had the world record for being the oldest skydiver. She was with us here. Uh, She uh, has gone to a place where, well, she did her last skydive going up to heaven. And she used to say, I, whenever I jump out of a plane, I jump in faith. <laughs> but when she started skydiving, she was attached to another skydiver. So it depends not on your abilities, but on the person you're attached to. And this is the thing, we're attached to Christ. If you think of two climbers, Jesus Christ is the one that's gone ahead of us. We're roped to him. So as long as he is all right, we are going to be alright. If he falls, then it's all over for us. But this is the truth. Since my immortal Savior lives, then my immortal life is sure. I'm joined to Jesus Christ. Union with Christ. I'm using the analogy of walking and taking it further. I've used this illustration before. I don't know how many of you have been up Snowden here. Those who have, have you ever been up Creeb Gorch? The knife edge, the knife edge. That's what our walk with Christ is like. We're joined to him, so it's all right. You're not going to fall to your death. But it is walking a knife edge. On the one hand, there is this horrible, horrible tendency to say, if we are saved by grace, then I can just do what I want. That's wrong we don't fall into that trap but then on the other side and we can go uh, the opposite way can't we and we can become legalistic antinomia, no lord on the one side legalism on the other and we can make our christian life to be a list of all sorts of do's and don'ts which has got nothing to do with walking with christ and enjoying his presence I was brought up in a good home and we went to chapel and I never heard the gospel in that chapel but there were people in that chapel I couldn't say if they were saved but they would still not do things on a Sunday but that had nothing to do with their walk with Christ because they didn't know him. So the purpose of the Christian life is that I'm not doing whatever I want. I'm not falling down that one side of the knife edge. But neither am I going to go the other way and just have a list of rules, because that just entangles you. What I'm doing is walking with Christ. And you know what? He's given us a map, and it's his word. And one hymn, I'm quoting a lot of hymns tonight, it says, When we walk with the Lord... It's not a map in the hymn, is it? In the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on our way. If you're up in the mountains in certain conditions, if you've got mist, and if you've got the sun trying to come out, you can see uh, what they call glories. You, you can see uh, like uh, a patina, uh, like a... Uh, uh, it's like a, a halo over the reflection of you and it's a bit like that sometimes isn't it when we walk with the lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way we're going on a knife edge and we think it's all over i'm not going to be able to go along that bit lord i've come so far and you've helped me but lord that looks impossible i can't do that and he says yes you can because i've already done it and you just follow in my steps. And as we do that, we take baby steps and we find glory. Have you had that happen? Maybe you've had your back up against the wall. You don't know who to turn to, where to turn to. And then God just comes glory, glory. Hallelujah. So this walk, this union with Christ. So I'm not giving an exposition of Romans 6 tonight, but. That's where you get it at its fullest. We've died with him. We've been raised with him. We are tied to him by eternal bonds. And how can we? How can we live a life of sin? How can we offer our members to serve sin? It's, it's stupid, isn't it? Uh, that's how Lloyd-Jones puts it in the book, The New Life. He says, when a Christian falls into sin, he or she is Stupid. Uh, one person went to see Lloyd-Jones because they were struggling with a particular sin. And as they were describing this sin, I know Lloyd-Jones on many occasions spoke gently to people, but on this occasion he didn't. Do you know what he said? How can you, how can you commit that sin? How can you, if Jesus Christ has died for you, if Jesus Christ is in you, how can you? Walk with him. Are you walking with him? Am I walking with him? Are you going to walk with him this week? Are there certain things you can do if you're walking with him? Are there certain thoughts you can have if you're walking with him? Are there certain words you can say if you're walking with him? Are there certain attitudes you can have if you're walking with him? I don't think so. Can you see how challenging this is? More so than rules. But it's glorious, isn't it? Uh, Let's look again at the description in Thessalonians. These are the verses we're opening up tonight. We have been saved through his death. For life together with him. Life together with him. This walk isn't going to end. Well, it is. We're going home to heaven. And then we will rest. (laughs) What a prospect. What a prospect. So, according to uh, one uh, writer, Hugh Martin, our salvation consists both of Christ... For us dying in our place and we with christ how did we sing he lives he lives christ jesus lives today he walks with me and talks with me and i walk with him and i talk with him along life's narrow way along this knife edge he lives he lives salvation to impart you ask me how i know he lives i don't know enough of Romans six, I don't know all the great theological terms, but I know one thing: He lives within my heart, and I'm not going to dread. I'm not going to dread the morrow. I'm not going to uh, have vain regrets uh, regarding the past. I'm not going to have uh, fears for the future, and I'm not going to dread the second coming. Why? In all the world around me, I see His loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he's leading through all the stormy blast and the day of his appearing will come. It will come at last. We're together with him. And my illustrations are breaking down here um, because we are inheriting a kingdom. Think of that. We have had a transfer. We were once in the kingdom of darkness. But now we have become citizens of a new kingdom. Think of the Iranians. Uh, They would have lived in a kingdom where they were persecuted. And then coming over to this country. And if they're given a visa, uh, they are given a new identity. But even that falls short. I'm thinking of what, was it Angelina Jolie when she was married to Brad Pitt? Didn't uh, they adopt somebody who was living in Namibia? I may have got this wrong, but a poor child uh, living in an African country is suddenly uh, changing their identity. No longer are they a citizen of Namibia, but they're now a citizen of the United States. One of the most powerful countries of the world, but it's not just a change of citizenship. Now uh, they have been adopted into a family that is so rich, no longer living in a small house in Namibia, but living in a mansion in Los Angeles. Can, can you see? That's what the Lord has done. We're going to live together with Christ, we're going to live in the mansion. We're going to live there forever and forever. It's never going to be revoked. It's glorious. That's why these Christians were looking forward to the second coming. They couldn't wait. And then one last pillar uh, as I come to a conclusion. We are saved by God's grace alone. So we are saved from wrath we are saved through the death of Jesus Christ, we are saved to life with Christ, this wonderful union with Christ, and we are saved by God's grace alone. Look at verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Do you know what that word "appoints" means? God hasn't chosen you to wrath. God hasn't destined us to to wrath but to obtain salvation the same greek word for appoint is used of jesus choosing his disciples you did not choose me but i chose i appointed you so just as jesus chose the twelve, he's chosen you we are apostolic aren't we in that sense We we may not be apostolic in the sense of having seen physically the risen Lord. But we are apostolic. And then the same word is used uh, of uh, Jesus Christ choosing Paul. 2 Timothy 1. Uh, Look at these verses. God who has called us and saved us with a holy calling. And according to our, uh, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus when before the world began, to which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. So the same thing that chose the 12 disciples, the same thing that chose the great apostle, Paul, has chosen you and me. And it wasn't an afterthought. It was an eternity past. What a pillar this is. So what does your salvation depend on ultimately? Now, I don't want to be miss understood us uh here but what is it dependent on i will say it's dependent on the day when i was saved it was dependent on my faith in jesus christ well yes it was but that's not this pillar because paul says by grace you have been saved through faith and even that faith is not of yourselves it's the gift of god All right, she will say. It was 2,000 years ago I was saved. That's when my salvation was procured. Jesus then took the punishment for my sins. So I'm depending on that. Yes, good, that's good. But this pillar is not even that. It goes further back. It goes back before time. Before the world began. And I can't explain it, because the boundaries of Scripture mean I can't go further. All I can say is God, in eternity past, appointed a people. Not to wrath, which is what we deserve, but to salvation. Ah, you will say, does that mean that God chose others to damnation? I'm not saying that. We can't go further than the scripture. But what I can say from the Bible is that God, and I can't say why, in his grace, and he didn't see anything in us, but he chose to save a people. Have you uh, seen the golden chain in Romans eight, whom he did predestinates, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. that's all past. But look what he does, and where there, them he justified, he also glorified. Do you see what he's doing there? Glorified is past tense, as if it's already happened. And of course it is going to happen, because God has determined it. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is committed to save a people, nothing will stop the work of God. God has begun a good work in you and he will complete it. Can you see why this pillar is so solid? Uh, Unfortunately, this whole area has become a matter of controversy, but God doesn't want it to be that. He wants us to be comforted with this. He doesn't want us to be flippant. He doesn't want us to fall out with one another over this truth of God choosing a people. But he wants us to gain encouragement Can I read Robert Murray McShane, a godly man if ever there was one, didn't make 30, didn't make it. God called home. Do you know what he said? Chosen not for good in me, wakened up from wrath to flee, hidden by the Saviour's side, by the Spirit sanctified, teach me, Lord, on earth to show by my walk. By my love, how much I owe. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether our life is short, like McShane's, or whether we live to a good, ripe old age, it doesn't matter. Whether our life is successful, or whether it's not successful, whether we are rich, or whether we are poor, whatever may happen to us, whatever our situation that we live for Jesus Christ. We walk with Him. Can you do that? What should be our response to this? Not why did God not choose everybody, but why did God choose? anybody (laughs) isn't that the right response and shouldn't you instead of making it a matter of controversy say while lost in holy wonder why oh why such love to me I i remember one elder in the welsh evangelical church in cardiff many many years ago ..he would cycle around the city on his bike. And he would sing, he would sing uh, cycling on his bike. And one of the hymns that he would sing was Diolch Bith am gofio y e Thank you forever for remembering the dust of the earth. If you're going to start cycling around Cardiff, I can tell you it's quicker than driving. You can get around Cardiff quicker these days on your bike. Well, why not? As you look at the mass of people living here and what a fair city this is, what a privilege to be able to bring the gospel to all these different nationalities now. The mission field is on our doorstep. And not to have a sense of superiority, not to be smug, but as you look At the mass of people as you look at the moral degradation your only response is why oh why have i been spared why oh why such love to me and that didn't make paul go in on himself it propelled him forward to take this good news to whoever didn't Mr. Hyam have the promise as he was driving down Leckwith Hill? The Lord said to him, I have much people in this city. And I believe God still has much people in this city. So let us live for him. Let us lift up our heads. We're on the victory side. And let us take this good news to whoever for his namesake. Now let's sing together as we close. I can't remember what the hymn is. Forever with, that's good, isn't it? Together with him, forever, forever with the Lord. Amen. Is, Is it an amen to you? Amen, so be it. So let it be. Life in the dead. Life from the dead even is in those words. We better sing 809. of the glory of his grace and may that grace be with us and that love and that fellowship uh, now and forever amen